0: be actively involved in warfare against satan and his cause amen hallelujah and uh in many churches there's a a lot of people in a lot of churches that are pretty much just an audience but god wants to turn an audience into an army to do the work that god's called us to do amen and i understand that as pastor that is my responsibility number one to equip but number two to release Release the army, amen, to do what God has called us to do. If we're ever only in training, ever only in equipping, but we're never released to do, uh, then after a while it becomes a little frustrating. And uh, after a while we lose our focus. But uh, I believe God is uh, speak, going to speak to us tonight. Amen. Second uh, Timothy chapter number 2. We're going to look at Second Timothy chapter number 2. And then we're going to look at 1 Timothy, but we'll start in the latter part. These are both letters from the Apostle Paul. And uh, these are letters that were not written to a church, but they were written to an individual. And uh, Paul's writings to Timothy were written to an understudy of his. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now therefore, my son, and he wasn't his biological son, but he was his son in the gospel. He says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Verse 3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Everybody say soldier. Because verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life so that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. No man who goes to war gets so wrapped up in this life that he can't please the one who's commissioned him and sent him to be as a soldier. Let me read uh, verse number 3 and 4 from, uh, I believe it's the NIV version. It says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Amen. And then in First Timothy chapter 1, just a few pages back, First Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse number 18. Once again, in another completely different letter, the Apostle Paul, speaking to his understudy, refers to him again uh, in terms of uh, one working in warfare in battle. He says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. That thou mightest war a good warfare. Now, I'm not going to choose as my theme the idea of battle as much as being involved and active. It could be battle. It could be a sports arena, a game. The point is, at some point in time, you've got to move off of the practice field and you've got to engage in a game. You've got to move out of training and you've got to get involved in the battle. And I believe God is reminding us at Life Church that at this specific time where we're moving into small group ministry for the next. Not next week, but after that, six weeks we'll be doing small group ministry in preparation for what we do in 2009. That God is moving us out of the practice arena, out of the training room, and into the battle. Amen? Praise God. Anybody ready to go to battle? Anybody ready to get in the game? Anybody tired of being on the bench? Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Bless and anoint and speak to us tonight, we ask. We promise to give you the glory, Lord Jesus, for all that is accomplished, because it's through you that we do all things that are positive and good. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I said, many people are in churches, uh, even in churches that declare and preach the truth, the message of the apostles, that even though they've been spirit-filled, they still are just an audience. And uh, in church vernacular or preacher jargon, when you talk about active members, active members of your church, in order for somebody to be active, that means they attend faithfully and they financially support the church faithfully. They pray, pay, and obey. But that's not what it really means to be an active Christian. That's an important part of it, being faithful to the house of God and faithful in your financial support. But what really means, it really means to be active is to be involved in ministry, to be involved in serving the body of Christ, helping to build up the body of Christ. God is calling all of us into ministry. And whatever level of spiritual maturity you are at, there is an area where you can begin to serve. And if you don't begin to serve, your level of maturity or your process of maturing will be stunted. Amen? Now, part of this is the fault of the leadership that, an audience that 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 an auditorium would be filled with an audience instead of an uh, 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 of an army, and uh, if not, most of this is the fault of the leadership or the pastor or the shepherd or the leader, uh, because in order for you to get out into the battle, you've got to be released, you've got to be commissioned, uh, you've got to be empowered, you've got to be given the tools and the opportunity and the placement for it to happen. Amen. But here here's what the problem here's where the problem lies somewhere. During uh, the dark ages, if you would, that process or passage of time from the time that the apostolic church was born in fire until it reached the point where it was very far away, uh, the universal or Catholic church was very far away from what it had initially been intended. If you do any study of history, you realize that there, that things got really crazy and really bad, and uh, it was far away from what God had intended. But somewhere along the way, the church that had originally been every member involved in ministry, there began to develop this two tiers or two levels of believers. There were two types of believers. Now, I'm not saying that this is from the Bible. In fact, I'm going to prove to you that it's not from the Bible. But this is what became common church practice during that era, and it's still obvious and evident within the ecclesiastical or the church world today. And this concept that there are two tiers of believers. There is the clergy and the laity. Anybody heard those terms before? The clergy and the laity. Now they're all believers, but there's one group that's the clergy and one group that's the laity. Now I'm ready to mess with your philosophy. I'm going to ready to mess with your mind tonight because I want you to get a biblical perspective as to how the way how things were in the in the New Testament church and how we want them to be at Life Church. And in the church today, there seems to be a rather sharp distinction between the clergy and the laity. It's almost like there's this general perception that the clergy are a type of first-class citizens of the church and they deserve special attention, while the laity, on the other hand, are relegated to the second-class, the general second-class seating area of the household of faith. But let's look at where these two terms, clergy and laity come from because they're biblical terms or Greek terms. The the term clergy is derived from the word kleros, kleros, which is a Greek term that's used in Scripture. And it means God's heritage or God's lot. Kleros means God's lot or God's heritage. You still with me? That's where the word clergy comes from, God's heritage or God's lot. Now, the word laity that's translated laity comes from the word laos, which means the people of God. So, kleros means God's heritage. Laos means the people of God. Now, the interesting thing is that these two distinctive terms to describe two different classes or tiers of believers is not the way that these terms were used in the New Testament. In fact, these words are not contrasted with each other. They're used interchangeably in the New Testament. In fact, if you look, there's several instances where the word kleros is used. Acts chapter 26, Colossians 1.12, 1 Peter 5.3. And whenever it is used, it is referring to all Christians. It says God's heritage, kleros. So the word clergy comes from the word that means all Christians. All Christians. And then all Christians also make up laos. Whenever Laos is used, 2 Corinthians 6.16, 1 Peter 2 and 9, it is also referring to all believers. Is everybody getting the point here? So these terms, clergy and laity, come from biblical terms, but the word that is translated clergy and laity, both meant all the body of Christ. There was no contrast or distinction between these words in the New Testament terminology. Everybody understand what I'm saying here now? Amen. So that means that All believers are both ministers and the people of God. All of us are ministers and all of us are people of God. So in a a strictly scriptural sense, all of us are clergy and all of us are laity. And there's really not much difference between those two words when you look at them from a scriptural foundation. And when you look at the example of the New Testament, you don't see this distinction between clergy and laity. You just see God's people. In fact, the New Testament offers for us a picture of a church that is full of God's people who are all significant ministers. Are are you still with me? Come on, we need to adjust our thinking here a little bit. In the New Testament, the church was made up of people who were all significant ministers ministers amen and so in order to release the army and unleash our churches and really see the potential for personal ministry begin to grow in life church that means we have to move away from the world's fascination with credentials, titles and all of this the only title that really matters is the title of being belonging to jesus christ amen and if you have that title If you belong to the Lord, you have authority as God's ambassador. I want to to tell you that God saved you not to be a peon, but God saved you to be a minister. God saved you to be sent. God saved you to have spiritual authority. God saved you to be able to minister. Amen? Come on now. You need to understand how this New Testament church worked. Everybody was commissioned. Everybody was sent. Everybody felt empowered. Amen? Amen? There was no big I and little you. There was not some fascination with some super personality that everybody gravitated to. But everybody was a minister of Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. If you get my point, clap your hands. Now you may want to counter-argue, if you know the Bible, that the Pastor Brown, the Bible does reference This distinctive group of ministers, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and so forth. And while they weren't referred to as kleros or clergy, we do see that their office or role was different than that of the church body. This is true. And uh, you can see that in Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to get your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, some of you have heard this that I'm about to say. Some of you have heard it three or four times. But you're going to keep hearing it, amen. You're going to keep hearing this point because uh, Ephesians chapter number four tells us about these this fivefold ministry or pastors, evangelists, teachers, so forth. But I want you to get a clear picture of what their role is and what the body of Christ's role is, because we don't want to be confused about this. Because here's what happens: many churches have the idea. That my job as a saint is to show up for church and help pay the bills by paying my tithes and offerings. And that's my responsibility. And the pastor who is uniquely gifted to minister to people is the one that is to do the ministry. So if somebody's sick, who do we need to call? Pastor. In that mentality, in that mindset. If there's a need or a problem, and somebody's discouraged spiritually, who better call him? We better get the pastor to call him, because he's the supernova minister, you know? He's got this great ability to minister to people. But that's a fallacy, and I want to break that fallacy apart by looking at the Word of God right now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we're going to read first from the King James Version, and I'm going to explain to you why I believe, now please understand, that the King James Version translation of the Bible is just a translation of the original Greek. It's an excellent translation. It's very direct and very perfectly translated. But that doesn't mean that the translation in every nuance is inerrant. The Word of God is inherent. But you understand that the Word of God was originally written in Greek. And you have to study the Greek to get the real, original, authentic meaning. So I want to look at, show you something here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he, he being the Lord, he gave, that means it's a gift, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the fivefold giftings that God has given to the church. God presented to some an evangelist, to some a pastor, a teacher, so forth. But look at what verse 12 says. This is very important because this gives us the purpose for this gifting. God gave these people for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, here's what I want to bring to your attention. Bible scholars, many, many Bible scholars said say that that comma right there, after saints and before four, verse 12, For the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. That that comma, uh, understand that punctuation is really not translatable. (laughs) But that that comma may slightly tweak the meaning of that original passage. And I'll show you in these other translations how how it affects it. So, I I don't want to lose you guys, but I want you to, uh, yes. That's uh, Ephesians chapter number 4. And verse twelve, Ephesians four and twelve. Because what it kind of looks like, if you read this, it looks like it is saying that there are three things that these ministers, these fivefold ministry, does. Okay, it looks like it's saying that they perfect the saints, that they do the work of the ministry, and that they edify the body of Christ. That's what it looks like, because of this uh, uh, grammatical construct here. Uh, the way that um, um, the way that the commas are used, but when you look at many people indicate that Bible scholars say that that comma between saints and four is not supposed to be there. In other words, this would say for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of christ, so it 's really two responsibilities: perfecting saints so they can do the work of the ministry and edifying or building up the body of Christ. Just to reinforce this, I want to read from you from two other highly respected translations of the Bible. One of them is the NIV. Anybody heard of the NIV, New International Version? The other is the New Living Translation. And this gives us a kind of clear understanding. And the reason this is important is because we want to know what is the role of the fivefold ministry and what is the role of the body of Christ that's not a member of the fivefold ministry. The NIV says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Listen now, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, this translation says the, the purpose of a pastor and a teacher and evangelist and prophet that comes through and ministers to the people is not for them to do the ministry or the works of service, but is to prepare God's people, all of them, for the works of ministry, for the works of service. So their their job is not to do the work of the ministry. Their job is to prepare the people to do the works of the ministry. Let me read the New Living Translation. It says, Now these gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility... Is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So it is the responsibility, very clearly in scripture, of this fivefold preaching or teaching or declaring ministry to prepare and equip and lead God's people so that they can do the work of the ministry, so that they can do the serving, so that they can do the loving, so that they can do the nurturing, so that, come on now, so that they can encourage those that are in need. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So who is it that does the work of the ministry? Is it the fivefold ministry or is it the saints of God? And those scripture, that scripture, 4.11, it makes it clear that it's the people of God that do the ministering. Amen? It's the people of God that do the ministering. The five-fold ministry does the equipping, but the people of God does the ministering. Is everybody getting that point now? We have an evangelist that comes through. He is equipping you to minister more effectively. He is training. He is showing. He is letting us see, amen? As a pastor, my responsibility is not to be the chief minister. My responsibility is to train and release you to do the work of the ministry. Praise God, amen? Hallelujah. And I'm excited because that's what's going to be happening over the next seven weeks as we move into small group ministry, amen? That means every member of the body of Christ is going to have an opportunity not only to minister to new people, but to minister to one another, amen? Praise the Lord. Why is all this important? Why does it matter that the work of the ministry belong in the hands of saints of God, God's people? And uh the uh directing or administration or equipping lays in the hands of the fivefold ministry of the pastor. Let me let me just ask you one question here. Realistically, how many pastors do we have at Life Church right now? Really, just one. We have a youth minister, youth pastor, but as far as a a shepherd or overseer, there's just one. How much ministry can one man do? Brother Francisco, Brother Chris, Brother Donnie, can you stand up real quick? Stand close together. God has called us to minister to the world, be His hands and feet. Sometimes The only way people can feel Christ's love is through us. The concern that the Lord has. He has chosen to let us be his ministers. I am one individual. How many people can I embrace? Maybe three, four at the most in this little example. But if I release these men and train them how to, Release them. Think about how many people can be embraced now in the arms of these individuals. And when they embrace and someone else feels God's love, then they can go and take, thank you guys, that ministry elsewhere. The problem with the old way of doing things, that the clergy was the minister and the people were the ones that uh, paid the bills, kind of made some decisions in a dram- democratic fashion and, and so forth. The problem with this model, the problem, fundamental problem with this model is it created a bottleneck for ministry. That means God's love being shown by serving people was all flowing through one person who only had 24 hours in a day. And just like if you take a bottle full of uh, something and you turn it upside down, the flow is slowed because there is a bottleneck and only a little bit can come out. But that's not God's plan because His love is to be poured out, shed abroad on the earth. Amen. And the only way that can happen is we've got to turn it around. Amen. And I've got to release you as people of God, as saints of God, to be the ones that share the love of the Lord. And that's why we're doing small groups, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Come on. That's why we're doing small groups. And you may think, well, it's going to be a little bit more work on me. I may have to... uh, uh, Provide something in my home. i got to clean up my home. It's a little extra work. But the reality is uh, ministry is work. Amen. Serving people is work. Uh, but the rewards are huge. Amen. The wa- rewards are huge and fulfilling. When you can see God begin to minister through you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many people, how many people can I really impact their lives on a personal level? It's very limited. But what about if everybody in Life Church praise God was released to take this message of Jesus and the training that they'd received in the Bible that they have in their heart and say now it's my job to go do what I thought it was brother Brown's job to do pastor Brown is to feed us with the word of God give us direction and leadership but the ministry comes through me amen one of the first things that we began doing when we assumed the pastorate of Life Church over 5 years ago was to try to release the ministry in the altar to the people of God. Because when I first came, one thing I remember, maybe you don't remember this, I remember this very well, is that when it came altar call time, people came down to pray. There were maybe one or two people that would work in the altar, but everybody was looking to me to work in the altar. To be the one to pray for the folks, and to minister to them, and help them receive the Holy Ghost, and and encourage them. Uh, you know, sometimes if you're, you know, everybody's got a human nature. Boy, it makes you feel pretty. Step aside here. I... Scatter. Because the great hand is going to lay on the head here. And so, right not long after we came here, I. For for a few months, some of you may not even recognize it, I pretty much quit working in the altars and instead directed other people to pray with people. Because just to get, get people to begin to grab this idea that the ministry is mine, the ministry is not Pastor Brown's, but the ministry is mine. Now, the making of decisions and giving direction and the breaking of the bread of life in a corporate setting like this, that belongs to the pastor, but the ministry belongs to the people, amen? The ministry belongs to the people of God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, amen. So if it's all flowing through one man, there's no way that one man can minister to all the needs of the church. And if I'm trying to, the church will stay small. The church cannot grow, amen, and the pastor's going to burn out. Because we've already reached a point at Life Church where I can't lead this church and be involved in all the ministries of Life Church. I can't be there all the time. I can't be involved in every one. Because, and as the church grows, it's going to become even more obvious that I will completely burn out if I try to lead this church and be involved in every single ministry. Amen? The Bible is clear that my job is to equip you for your ministry and to release you into your ministry. Because if we're going to turn this city upside down, it's not going to be because of one man. It's going to be because of a lot of people, men and women and young people, young men and young ladies and, and uh, middle-aged and even senior citizens that catch a hold of the idea that God has equipped me to minister to everybody around me, to my family members, amen, to my lost and unsaved loved ones, to my coworkers, to my neighbors, to other members of the body of Christ, to new Christians to new believers no it's not the pastor's responsibility it's my responsibility to help build them up and encourage them amen just give you a little side note here it's not your job to correct them and bring them in line it's your job to encourage them and build them up praise the Lord just a little side note there amen praise God so let's make a deal okay Let's make a deal. If you agree with me that you'll do the ministry of the church, I'll make sure that you're well fed and that you have direction and leadership. Praise God. Amen? I will lead and I will feed with God's help. But I'm asking you to do the ministry of the church because that's God's plan. And that's how a church will grow. And that's what's going to happen through small groups. We're releasing you. To do the ministry of the church. Because guess what I found out? I, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm just blown away. It's awesome. As I begin to watch, as um, members of Life Church are beginning to bond with new people in the church, and I'm watching the new people begin to grow and mature and learn things and develop, and my hand wasn't anywhere in. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We're starting in the right direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is God's plan. Amen. So I, I, as pastor, I'm the one that's got to give the ministry away. Because many times when you're the leader of a small church or a new church, the pastor has to do the ministry or it doesn't get done. But there comes that point of transition where there's enough training done. There's enough people that are motivated and excited that now the pastor becomes the problem if he doesn't get out of the way and release people to do the work of the ministry. Amen? In order to have a growing church, I've got to give the ministry away. I can't hold on to it. Amen? And guess what? You're going to make some mistakes. But guess what? I make mistakes. And I decided I don't want to make all the mistakes. I want you to make some of them too. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So we are commissioned, and I am releasing the army into the battle. I'm releasing the team into the game. Let's see what the Bible has to say about our ministry. Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. You have your Bibles. Romans 12 and 4. There are two different passages Romans chapter 12 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we'll look at Romans 12 that talk about the various members of the body and we are part of the body of Christ and all of us are members but all of us are important and we have significant roles. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. We belong to each other. We're all Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. The point here is we being many are one body in Christ. And while the various members of the body in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 does it more specifically, talks about the various members of the body and how they all have different roles, but they're all important. Amen and that they all are serving a bit to benefit the body. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and of course, it's an analogy referring to the human body. While some parts of the body are ugly, some parts of the body are more attractive. Some parts of the body are more prominent and visible. Some parts of the internal organs are invisible, but they still uh, perform a very important role. Every member of the body has a significant role in something that it accomplishes. And if you lose that part, or that part is done away with, then there is something that is missing. Amen? And so this is letting us know, as members of the body of Christ, God has put us in place and gifted us uniquely to serve the body. And all of us have been called into ministry and to serve. Now, the New Testament basically tells us that you cannot be a Christian without also being called into ministry. So if you're a member of Life Church, you're also a minister. Amen? If I said, if you're a member of Life Church, you are also a minister. So, if it's your idea that uh, being a Christian is about showing up for church and supporting the church financially, and that's it, then the way Life Church is going, you're kind of going to be uncomfortable because the expectation is coming. Amen? The expectation is yet, even now that every member is a minister of the body of Christ and God has equipped you and I'm challenging you and commissioning you during these 40 days of purpose. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to minister to people and to encourage people. Be faithful and be committed to your small group and be committed and try to bring people and let God use you to minister through this opportunity. Amen? Let me just bring up again something I said last week. I'm preaching. You're being equipped. You're being edified. Are you doing any ministering right now? Just Sitting. You are not serving anyone. But when you sit around a table in a small group and begin to discuss things and somebody breaks down and you begin to pray for them, it's going to happen. You begin to give words of encouragement. Amen. And you leave that place and you pray for that person. And later that week, two or three days later, you give them a call. How's it going? All of a sudden now you're ministering. In the meantime, as you sit here and listen to me, you don't even know the needs that are around you, right? You don't even know what's happening in their life. But as we get into these settings, you're going to be given opportunities. And I challenge you to step up to the plate and minister and let God use you to serve the body of Christ and help build it up and edify and strengthen the body of Christ. Amen? I'm not telling you that you give somebody a theological dissertation and and give them a a deeper theological understanding. Amen. As far as the breaking down the Word of God piece by piece, we'll, we'll do our best to do that as pastor. But as ministers, we can encourage, we can speak a verse of Scripture to encourage somebody, to build somebody up, to help answer a question, to give them insight, to help lift them up. Amen. But God has called us to minister. Praise the Lord. And uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, argues that every member is significant and has a necessary and vital mission to accomplish. Now, um, Romans and First Corinthians, First Corinthians very clearly and Romans arguably are both written by the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Peter also reinforces this in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God would be praised through Jesus Christ. So we understand both Paul and Peter, the foundation, founding fathers of the church, said every member of the body is gifted and commissioned to serve, amen, to minister to one another, hallelujah. The word in Scripture that's translated minister or ministry is the word diakonos, diakonos, which simply means to serve. Whenever you see the word minister or ministry, it means to serve. And this word diakonos appears in Acts 6.1, but it refers to feeding people who are hungry, giving food to them. If you feed someone that is hungry, Acts one uses the word diakonos, the ministry of giving food to people that are hungry. Acts 6 and 4, it's about diakonos is used to describe teaching people who are spiritually hungry or their minds are hungry. Acts 11.12, diakonos is the ministry of prayer. Acts 21.19, it's the ministry or the serving of evangelism. Acts 19.22, the ministry or serving of humble assisting whenever required, just being there to help. It's diakonos. It's ministry. Amen. Acts 20.24, 20, diaconos is used to describe living your whole life for Christ, even in the face of suffering and difficulties. All of these are forms of ministry, serving, feeding hungry people, ministering to newcomers, helping people that don't understand, understand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Reaching out to people that are lost and loving them. Basically, ministry is meeting needs in love or using whatever God has given you to serve Him and to serve the needs of other people. This is ministry, and God has given all of us the responsibility of ministry. So guess what? Your most important day as a Christian may not be Sunday. You better be in church on Sunday. But your most important day in ministry may be Thursday. It may be Friday at work. It may be Saturday night when your friend calls. But when you're a servant of Jesus Christ, you're always looking for an opportunity. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit. We're looking for an opportunity to serve and to love and to share what God has given to you. The Bible lets us know that we minister or serve three directions. Three directions. Three directions. Anybody have any idea? The three directions that we minister. Three directions that we serve. First one is the Lord. We serve the Lord. We minister unto the Lord. Acts 13 and 3. There's some things we're just doing it for God. We're just serving God. Amen. But when you serve God, people are going to be impacted. The second area that we minister is to other people believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ, we minister to them. Amen. And the Bible gives us examples of ministering to believers. And the third, you probably have figured out by now, the third area that we minister is to people who are not Christians, who are unbelievers, amen, or maybe new believers. So these are the three areas that we minister. We serve God we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ and we serve the lost world. Amen? These are the three most important relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your brothers and sisters, and your relationship with the lost world. And if you want to be a growing Christian, you better have a growing relationship with Jesus, a growing relationship with your brothers and sisters. Uh, amen? A, a group that you're growing together. Amen? And also a growing influence with lost people, people that need the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We also minister to three areas of need. We minister to people's physical needs. God says, this is in uh, Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. God says, I was hungry and you fed me. Thirsty and you gave me a drink. I needed clothes and you clothed me. Sick and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Whenever... Whenever you have done this to the least person, you did it to me. Sister Kathy, can get that letter for me? I'd like to read a little bit of that. The Bible is saying here when you minister to people's physical needs, you clothe them when they need clothes. You feed them when they need food. You give them something to drink when they're thirsty. When they're in prison, you visit them. And the Bible says, Jesus said, if you do that to a nobody. If you do that to the least of these, the lowest in the caste and socioeconomic system, you're doing it unto me. Amen? They, they were confused. Jesus, when did we ever see you in this state? He says, whenever you've done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Amen? Praise the Lord. This Sunday week, uh, Saturday, we went to uh, uh, the juvenile home. And uh, there, Sister Nezat, Sister Jackie, uh, Brother Simon was there, and uh, the Lord allowed me to minister to those young men. And uh, we got a letter this week from one of the boys that was in, uh, in the home there, and he says, uh, Dear Life Church, my name is Emilio. I won't give you his last name. I spent most of my life in church. I just don't know why. I keep making bad decisions in life. Here's a little poem I wrote and have really no one to listen to it. I really like that service today. I thought to myself that there still is people out there that care about us in here. I love that song that you guys sang called This Is My Desire. That song was about to make me cry when I started to sing it, and then it was over. And then he writes this poem, that he he recites this poem that he wrote, The Time I've Wasted. And then he says, I hope someday you all will come back to camp and bring some more good food and cookies too. Pray for me to go home safe and soon. Uh, uh, soon before my release date on December 25th. Thanks for everything all you did for us in Camp Aflerball. And uh, this young man wrote a, a, a letter to us. And these are hard young men that have been through goodness knows what. But this is what ministry is. This is what serving is. Jesus says you minister to people's physical needs like that. You're doing it unto me. Matthew 10.42, he says, If, as my representative, you give even a cup of cold water to a little child, you will surely be rewarded. Come on, it's time for the church to be the church. Hallelujah. Do what God has called us to do. We also minister not only to people's physical needs, but to people's emotional needs. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, They were instructed to warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with all. We also minister to people's emotional needs. But thirdly, to people's spiritual needs, their need of God. God reconciled himself, uh, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given us the job, the, the, the service responsibility of reconnecting people with God. That's what my job is. That's what your job is. is to help people that are separated from God get reconnected with God. I'm talking. I'm talking about us being more than pew dwellers or church attenders that come and get our little uh, fancy tickled and get excited at what we feel and what we hear. I'm talking about moving from that phase uh, and moving into an arena where we become God's hands and feet into the world. And when Life Church lets out, that's when the real action happens. That's when a hundred points of light shoot out throughout the entire community and begin to minister. I'm talking about an active and a living faith. That you don't keep to yourself Praise God But you give bread to them that are hungry You minister to those in need And when you do it You're being an ambassador of Jesus Christ Oh God help us Hallelujah As we move into this 40 days of purpose Let us get outside the walls of this church Let us pray for our neighborhoods Let us walk the streets and sidewalks Let us meet our neighbors And show kindness to them I pray Lord God Help me Lord Lord Jesus, uh, in the name of the Lord, hallelujah, 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 you are to be a minister, the Bible lets us know you were created for ministry, you are God's workman, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, God created you from the very beginning, so you could be a minister. He didn't create you to make a pile of money, although some people are blessed to be able to do that. He didn't create you just to make a pile of little ones, although some people are blessed with many children. But you were created to be God's workmanship, to do good works. Hallelujah. He's already prepared them in advance for you to do. You were created for ministry. When He saved you, when He bought you from the enemy and filled you with His Spirit, He saved you. Hallelujah. Second Timothy nine says, It was He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. When God saved you, He saved you for ministry. Amen. Not because we deserved it, but because this was His plan before the world began. Amen. That's why He saved me for ministry. Not because I was so smart or so talented. Not because you were so smart or so talented. God saved you for ministry. And you're going to be miserable until you begin to let it be expressed through your life. Hallelujah. You've been saved. You've been called into ministry. The Bible talks about the calling. He chose us before we were born. And Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. Worthy of that calling. You've been gifted for ministry. We talked about those passages that talked about God's gifting for ministry. You've been authorized as Christ's ambassadors in the New Testament to minister to people. And if you need any further uh, authorization, Pastor Brown says, you're released. Get out there in the battle. Amen. You've got enough training. You've got enough Bible. You've been chewing on the cud long enough. Let's get out. Amen. And produce some fruit and minister to some people. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're commanded to minister. You're to be equipped for ministry. Amen. And the body of Christ needs my ministry. I'm accountable for my ministry and I will be rewarded for my ministry. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to remind those of you that are going to host a small group or going to be one of the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Brother Donnie? Facilitators of the group. We have a um, uh, training meeting where we're going to equip you for this area of getting involved where we're going to cut the strings, basically, and say, okay, go for it. Grow your group. Minister to them. Encourage them. Praise God. And that training is this Saturday from 6 o'clock and will be finished between 730 and 8. This Saturday from 6 to 8 o'clock. You can be here. We'll be showing you a little training video. We'll be talking about the specifics and answering any questions that you have about that. Because this idea, this idea of being involved in ministry, we've got to get out of our training. We've got to get out of the practice. And we've got to get engaged in the battle. The way that we're going to be released to do this, I'm just so convinced, is this. Outside of the church, small group ministry is going. Now, I'm not talking about just the host and the facilitator ministry. The other members of the church that are in these small groups are going to minister as well. And the ones that are going to be the most benefited are the new believers or the unbelievers that you bring to this group. We're going to benefit one another, but the ones that are really going to start to grow is they see real faith and they hear about your real faith and they realize you're not a member of the church staff that's supposed to be parroting these things, but this is authentic and it's coming from your heart, something is going to get a hold of them. So with these small groups, it's going to be a team effort. Every person in the church, I want you to commit to the vision of this thing and help work towards its success. Because the goal that we have for these uh, small groups is we want relationships to be developed, but we also want to see lives changed. That's the goal, the best place for lives to be changed, obviously at an altar. But secondly, is in a small group where they're growing in relationship with a new believer, another believer, a new believer growing in a relationship with a more mature believer. And guess what happens? That new believer is given direction to as encouraged. But what I love to see is what happens to that mature believer as they begin to start ministering and they get excited as they realize that God is using them and they begin to grow in their faith as well. Praise the Lord. As I said, the new believers or unbelievers are going to benefit the most from this ministry and serving because some need to belong before they will believe. I trust and I feel that during these six weeks that there are going to be people that you will bring, friends, neighbors, families, whatever, family members, that you will bring to a small group and they will feel love, acceptance, connection before uh, before they ever make a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But on that seventh Sunday, I'll just say it right now: on that seventh Sunday, that celebration Sunday, I believe there's going to be some people who, before this campaign, never stepped foot in Life Church. Maybe some people who never stepped foot in any kind of a church that are going to come in and hear the simple message of salvation. They're going to come down and repent of their sins, and God's going to fill them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody believe that that can happen? And you know what excites me even more about it? Because we've had a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost here. But these are going to be people that receive the Holy Ghost, and when they leave that place, they're going to go back and start hugging all of their friends that they already have in Life Church. All the people that they already know because they've been getting together in the home. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to just, as we close here, I want you to look at this little video clip uh, about small groups being a circle of friends. And uh, then when we're finished, before you leave, I want to encourage you to, if you haven't yet, go and sign up for a small group. We want every, if you're going to be a part of this campaign, you got to be in a small group or you're really not a part of it. Praise the Lord.
1: We recently found out that uh, um, we were expecting a baby, which was a surprise to us. Uh, our youngest is 19, the next one's 21. Um, so it was a, a surprise, but a joyous surprise. And our small group was there with us through, um, through all the expectations and getting um, everything ready for the arrival. Kevin called me at work, and um, something was terribly wrong. Did um, you, you just hear it in his voice? Uh, I got a call from one of the group members uh, that uh, there could be a problem with um, Chloe. I got there to the hospital and it turned out that they uh, there, there wasn't a heartbeat and so uh, that was kind of tough but I had been probably five, ten minutes and, um, coming out of the door of the room and um, the whole small group was there coming down the hallway. went down there, sweating all, I had just come from a volleyball game and um, my whole group was already there. Um, and that was just wonderful seeing, um, knowing that someone was going through such a hard time and seeing that everyone had already gathered around. was heartbroken. And to look at her and see that she was still pregnant but that there was no life inside of her, it was heartbreaking. Watching everybody go through such uh, such pain together uh, really pulls you together, Real, really brings you near to each other.
0: We got together. We said, what can we do for Kevin and Sue? They've, they've been so strong for all of us through all of our
1: trials, and, and what can we do? Our group had um, got together and taken some shifts so that there would always be someone there for Sue to talk to or or to just sit and, uh, and be there if she, if she wanted to talk. Every time I, I started to feel like maybe I was all alone in the world and this had never happened to anyone else, You know, one of, one of the family would show up. To have my small group for there for us took a brutally tragic situation and just made it tragic. Um, and if you take the brutality out of something, that's a big deal. Um, we we just—I can't imagine going through it without them. Um, it just—it it made it a whole world of difference.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Amen. I just want to pray because everything that we do at Life Church that's going to be any good. It's going to have to have prayer and I don't mean just lip service prayer, but I mean some real prayer behind it. We have felt as a leadership team at life Church for two years going right on two years here in the next next few weeks It'd be two years since we felt that God directed us to lead this congregation to small groups and we've done it carefully we've done it slowly we've tried to lay the lay the groundwork but I believe that this is something that God has ordained for our church. I believe this is a direction that God is prompting us, but you know what Whatever we do, if we want God's favor and blessing on it, we better have prayer behind it. Amen. So I want us to pray for just a moment right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you could just join me for two or three minutes right now and let's ask God, hallelujah, to let His favor and blessing be upon it and let His will be done that we would fight through, that we would persevere. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You, Lord. Hallelujah for giving us clear direction about something that we believe is going to transform this body of believers. God, I pray first of all that you help us because we know if it's good and if it's from God that the devil's going to attack us as we move into it. But in the name of Jesus, help us to keep our faith. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep hold of the vision and to speak faith, Lord. And if we get weary, if we get discouraged, Lord God, if there's any conflict, I pray, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit be that source of strength and direction and encouragement with us at all times. I know the enemy would like to undo this. I know the enemy would like to distract us and knock us off our feet. But in the name of Jesus, we pray Lord together and we speak faith, Lord Jesus. This is going to happen. We are going to move forward in small groups, Lord Jesus. You're going to provide for us in the midst of this building project, Lord Jesus. You're going to allow us to build small groups and build people up spiritually and equip and release people for ministry in the name of Jesus. Small groups are going to grow. Small groups are going to multiply. The church is going to grow and the church is going Going to multiply in the name of Jesus I pray Lord in your name that you would double this church in a matter of a few months Lord God that you would double the members of people that have come together to hear at 380 South Rosemead the words of God hallelujah people that have active faith people that are alive spiritually Lord Jesus people that are growing Lord God people whose faith is visible and showing to the world people that are giving giving cold water to those that are thirsty. People, Lord, God that are ministering to spiritual needs. In Jesus name, bless this effort. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, I want you to gather around brother Donnie. I want you to lay hands on him cuz he's leading this effort. He's putting work and energy and prayer into it. I want you to pray that God would anoint him and use him in a powerful way. Come on, men, let's pray together for him right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Ladies, I want you to go pray for Sister Kathy. She's the leader of 40 Days of Purpose campaign. Hallelujah. Pray that God would give her strength. Hallelujah. Give her wisdom. Praise God. Keep her healthy. In the name of Jesus. And hallelujah, Lord. In the name of Jesus. God, is you lead my brother, an anointed, powerful, with your Holy Spirit. Like never before, Lord God. God. Uh, Hallelujah. Now I want you to pray. Ladies, I want you just to find another lady or two and pray with them right now. Because God's releasing all of us into ministry. And we need God's anointing on all of us. Uh, Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Call their name. Call their name right now. And ask the Lord to anoint them. Come on speak it in faith Ask the Lord to use that person Speak their name and say God I want you to use this person In a way like you never have before Lord Give them boldness Lord Jesus Give them confidence in you Lord God To step forward and to minister to people In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus Come on that's it Hallelujah it's time to go into the battle hallelujah, hallelujah, Hallelujah! Come on, we want to be on the front lines Jesus, I pray, Lord, bless and anoint Lord Jesus every aspect of this campaign, Lord God, blessed and anointed I pray in the name of Jesus. Jesus Come on, I want you to release it. Hallelujah. Release, release God's favor on it. Hallelujah. Ask God to anoint your home as you open it up. Come on, that's it in Jesus' name. Ask God to anoint your invitations as you invite your friends and neighbors. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus,
1: Jesus, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I just got to give you a warning before we dismiss you. I, I, I gotta give you a warning. Get ready to grow like you've never grown before. I'm telling you, the church is going to grow, but you're going to start to grow spiritually like you never thought possible. Faster than you've ever grown, it's going to happen. In Jesus' name, get ready for growth. God bless you. Brother Donnie. We just want to open this up to everybody. If you're interested in learning about small groups, you're more than welcome. Come and join us. But like Pastor Brown said, we need the host, and we know we need all those that are going to facilitate. You know, this is going to be a a combined.